Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about some of the strategies we use to get athletes to buy into our treatment plan. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are socially distancing from our homes, and Mike Scaduto is still a champion PT in performance. So, uh, people Actually gonna... moved in, and I sleep here now. So. <laughs> it's the cleanest place on earth right now. <laughs> uh, people are pr- probably going to ask us in the comments. We probably should have addressed this on an earlier one, but uh, we are, we are uh, you know, obviously, during the COVID coronavirus situation here, we are socially distancing. And uh, in Massachusetts, we're not allowed, obviously, to uh, to leave our houses for non-essential things. So um, we are all treating a little bit, you know, here and there for some of our very small amount of essential peoples like post-ops and stuff like that. But um, we're certainly trying to do our part, our part excuse me, on uh, on socially distancing just to, to make sure we, we knock this thing out. But I'm here studentless again because the students have evacuated the state uh, back to their middle of the country states where there's less virus potentially. But I am here with all the way at the bottom, Lenny Macrina. What's up? Things are consistent here. I like it. Mike Scuduto down here. What's up, Mike? Lisa Russell and Dan PopeFitnessPainFree.com. Everybody is here. <laughs> we are here answering your amazing questions. So, Mike, what do we have for a question today? Oh, well, here's our question today. Let me see. I'm my own question to answer. So, let's see. All right. Corey from California, from Chapman University, actually, which um, I got together with recently. Corey had a question I thought was pretty cool. He said, when working with athletes who are very high level, and potentially have a lot riding on the therapy you're giving them and have expectation that they'll get back on the field ASAP, how do you get them to buy into your treatment and plan of care that you've outlined for them, especially if maybe it doesn't fit with their own timeline? What are some strategies you like to implement? This is a good one. I like, wow. the, way, I like the way you phrased it too. So we got high-level athletes. They want to get back as fast as they can. A, how do you get them to buy into your plan? But B, how do you do that if it doesn't fit their plan? <laughs> I think that was I think it's a good way of rephrasing it right here. Who wants to start this lovely question? Yeah, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty loaded question. I think uh, you guys should probably I think first off you should have an honest conversation about the timeline that the, the athlete wants and you know why are the two timelines not really lining up? Is it a post-op patient who has unrealistic expectations coming back from surgery and they think they had Tommy John three weeks ago and they want to start throwing at month two and be back on the field at month six. Like I think, you know, 
that comes down to setting expectations for the patient. And I think that's a, that conversation you have to have early on, hopefully even before surgery, before they undergo surgery, if it's something like that. Um, but if it's, if it's another circumstance, I think, you know, you have to, uh, remind the athlete that you're working for them and, and maybe you have to make compromises in the plan to try and, uh, work towards their best benefit without putting them at risk for re-injury or, or anything like that. Nice. So two things I liked from that, Mike. One is probably trying to set some clear expectations at the, the beginning of all this. So establish that early. And that's something we usually do with our athletes on their first visit or so. And we kind of say like, all right, all right, all right, what's okay. So you, you strained your hamstring. All right. Well, what's going on? We're in season now, right? What, you got anything coming up? You're, oh, you're a freshman. You, you're not even playing on, on the team. You know, like, all right, you know, like, let's like put together all the factors together. Like, oh, this is senior year and uh, you sprained your ankle and your last football game is this week right? You know, you, you got to put those factors together. So kind of getting together and having those clear expectations. You know, I like what you said there, Mike, a little bit about like, maybe we got to, you know, I don't know if meet in the middle is the right term, because that's not always the right answer. But I think I would, I would say that nothing's completely black and white, you know, unless it's post-op and you have some clear healing guidelines, nothing's black and white, right? I, I see a lot of like young clinicians and students get caught up in this. We're like, oh no, you you nope. You have to take two weeks off from running because that's I read that in a book. It has to be two weeks, right? I mean, nothing's black and white. People here heal at different rates. We're always trying to like play with that spectrum of go as fast as we can, but not too fast to kind of help them. So there is no definitive answer. So that, that was, I like I got that kind of thought from, while you were speaking, Mike. But I think you know that's one of the things if you know if you're a therapist and it's you're, you're developing your treatment plan and you got this hardcore thing in your head that the way it should go maybe it's partly you that's at fault but you know maybe, maybe you need to be a little bit more like let's play on the fly but uh what else what other strategies or tips that people have what's up dan i'm uh, kind of going backwards but i think this is uh there's a variety of things you can do so first and foremost and she may be beyond this point but i think that you need to kind of win people over before they even come through the door what i mean by that is that if you're in a specific population so i work with time with with fitness right so a lot of times people are coming in to me because the coach is recommended, right? Or they read about me online or they see the background that I've had. And then the rapport is going to be that much better just because they, they trust you, right? And I think that's very, very important. Um, what I was going to try to add to the conversation was I think the listening is going to be extremely important because at the end of the day, um, we're not here to get our own agenda accomplished. We're there to help the person that's in front of us, right? So you really have to listen to that person, see what their needs are and what their desires are. And from that point, we can start to develop a plan to care and maybe say like, look, if you want to get back at this point, your risk of injury is potentially here, right? But if you follow my plan, it's a bit better, you know? Um, so you're not necessarily contradicting people. You're just giving them the pros and the cons and they're trying to make a decision together, you know? So... I like that. I think yeah. you, I think you yeah. phrased that really well, Dan, too. Because, and I think that feeds into a lot. What I said, too, there is no black and white. Everything has a risk-reward ratio, and you just got to put that together. And I, I think you said that really well. So, Len, did you just – was that you? I think, well, I think, I think a lot of it comes – you know, you have the conversation, and you're like, oh, let's just – let's get let's look at, let's look at you now. Let's see how you move. Let's see how you present. You know, I like your thoughts. I think we can, we can do a lot of that, but let's just see how you move. And then you start doing the assessment or the evaluation and you start seeing objective stuff or even, you know, they start reporting some stuff and you're like, well, 
you know, for me, I do a lot of uh, muscle testing with the handheld anemometer. If I see a big, you know, a loss of strength, but particularly in a baseball player who's coming back from Tommy John, because I get a bunch right now that are, you know, they're ready to throw. They think they're ready to throw. Um, and it's four months out and they, you know, the doc plan to throw. And then I start doing some of my assessments of them. Uh, they, and they're presenting with, you know, a, a pretty, pretty good cuff weakness. I don't think it's time to throw. And then I have to figure out, all right, let's maybe wait a month. This is why I think we can wait a month. You see the numbers here. You feel the difference when I when I resist you. Let's let buy let's buy more time because let's calculate if we add an extra month of strengthening and don't throw, how does that affect the back end? You know what I mean? How does that affect your time to come back? Well, it really won't because I'll be ready now in February versus January. Um, so it won't really affect me for my spring season. Perfect. I think we found some stuff that we can work on. And I think it's still not going to affect your season. So I think a lot of the times that stuff falls into place perfectly. And believe it or not, you end up finding a happy medium and you can justify it by some of your assessment stuff that you do. But I think getting the person to buy in, like Dan said, and really get a good conversation going and you're listening and you're open to it and you have to justify it with something objective if you're going to really significantly change their program. I think it oftentimes comes out in some of our testing that we do. So that's how I can oftentimes get around that. I think that's great. And I think then what you would do there, and I think we, we may all do this, but I, I think this is a huge component to it, is that you then have a criteria-based approach. And you go backwards and you say like, all right, look, you want to get back into football you know, after a hamstring strain. Okay, well, here's what we need to do first. You need to be able to, uh, let's go backwards. So to, to play football, you need to be able to like sprint cut and like run and jump right great like you're limping right now right just walking right so we got to get to that great all right so what's our criteria to sprint then let's get let's kind of get to that like all right well we need to be able to jog with you know like a one out of ten pain or something like that great okay what's our criteria to start jogging well all right you need good range of motion without pain you need decent strength that type of thing so here's where you are here's our criteria to kind of go through these phrases these phases right and if you do it with a a, a phase-based approach like that, then I think what you can do too is you can say like, look, in my experience, this takes four to six weeks, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you're a good healer, right? Like whenever anybody says that, right, that's always, you know, scary or no, that's more pain, right? I have a really high pain tolerance, right? Those are always the worst, right? Like, but sometimes people, sometimes people, uh, you know, heal at a faster rate. So, so it's, look, this usually takes four to six weeks, but we're going to go by the criteria and here's your objective measurements that Lenny just took. And I, I found some issues. Once these go up to here, then we can start this. And then once we do that, we can do that, right? Does that kind of make sense? So um, I think that's, that's pretty neat. Uh, Lisa, I want to hear from you. And I actually, I, I've got an interesting thing for you too. Um, you know, as a pretty high level athlete yourself, right? Like, like, you know, collegiate and stuff like that in the past, like you've done a lot of cool things. Um, maybe you kind of hear it from your perspective as the athlete that then turned into the physical therapist, but you know, I wanted to hear your thoughts in general. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've been there. It's kind of how I met Lenny. (laughs) 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 Um, I mean, and rowers generally are this athlete, right? They're the, the, I mean, generally people come to me when they're like on the brink of breaking, you know, like they come to me because their back is hurting and their hip is hurting and their knees hurting and they're scared about their ribs starting to hurt. And, and they have to go down to Princeton to race in like a selection regatta to try and make the national team in two weeks. And it's like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? Um, and the challenging thing is, Typically, they're not the only athlete involved in the decision of like training plans and everything. Typically, people are in a boat with somebody else. Um, 
So it kind of adds just another layer that you can't just say like, okay, you know, you need to take a break for X amount of time because then their partner also can't do the work they need to be doing like in that way. So, um, I mean, telling, telling a rower to just stop doesn't happen. (laughs) I I feel like Dave would say that with gymnastics too, right? It's not always about stopping. It's about, okay, well, what other things can we work on? Yeah. So, I mean, I've had the most success with kind of what Dan was talking about. I mean, just talking to the athlete and, and figuring out like, okay, what's their expectation? What do they want to get back for? And then I usually kind of, you know, show them how they're moving and point out to them like, Hey, you know, you can't do X, Y, Z right now. And that causes pain. And, you know, like we need to get these things at least a little bit more under control before you can like really be able to accomplish what you want to. Um, I mean, it's, I think one of the hardest things to do as an athlete, when you're looking for that, you know, in rowing like race day, like you've trained for years to get to this point, you know? And, um, so I, I find that it's best to have the conversation depending on how much time you have, right. Of like amending their workload and, you know, displacing some of the, you know, particular like pain causing stresses into other things and just giving them ways to still feel in control and to still feel like they're making progress, whether it's like, you know, you got to spend every night doing, you know, this foam rolling or this mobility drill or, you know, different things to sort of like improve their body feel and decrease their pain. Um, you know, while you're trying to figure out what to do with their workload and and training plan. Um, but I, I definitely like, while Dan was talking, I was like, yep, that's a hundred percent. The conversation I always have is like, (laughs) you know, where, where are you at? What are you trying to accomplish? Let me tell you the things that you're putting yourself in danger for. And like this ultimately is, you know, the athlete's decision you know, to go and try and race and do what they need to do, knowing that they're at risk for injuring themselves, you know, but to the point where they're going to really be out of it. You know, I I always like to give them that power and give them that information to like really understand their body and understand the risks and, and to give them some tools to try and kind of fix it, band-aid it, or, you know, if you have some time, actually fix it. But yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think, I think you just said it there at the end a little bit here. We, we work for them, right? We, we're here to help them achieve their goals. And if they're like, no, look, I'll take the chances. I know I only have a 20% chance of getting back pain free, but I got to play this weekend then. All right. I mean, I, I mean, you know, make sure everybody's on board, the parent, the coach, the athlete, you know, all those things and you do your best. And you know, if, if you, if you're adamant, they can't play because you think they have a 0% chance, then it's your ethical right to bring that up. But you know, otherwise it's, it's let them help make the decision, but we're educators. We need to help educate them a little bit with that. Um, so that's good. You know, I, I think Lisa brought up some good perspectives too, from like the athlete that are, they're like, you know, letting her team down a little bit. Right. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this, the mental aspect of injuries, uh, a, a bunch of episodes ago on the podcast, but like, yeah, there's probably some other things going on too. Maybe this timeline doesn't fit because they have this pressure from the outside. So maybe like trying to help them deal with that in those concepts too, or, or maybe still finding ways that they can make themselves better. Right. Like, so, you know, like Scududo's low back hurts when he's, when he's golfing. Well, I mean, you know, it's a little different, right? He, he's just trying to break 90 every weekend where where somebody <laughs> training for the Olympics, like, I mean, man, if, if 
this is it. Like, if you get injured the week before the Olympics, you're screwed, right? So, like, luckily you got a whole another year this time. Yeah, well, this this year we have five years, but uh, but but you know what I mean? It's like it's a lot different. So, like, Mike can just stay at home and and putt and chip in his basement. But like, you know what I mean? Like like somebody uh, somebody else that's been preparing for a long time is is we got to be careful. So so just be careful. We're not on this high horse. I think as as physical therapists that they can or they can't do certain things. Right? There's I think there's a bit of a spectrum we should consider so um awesome great question thanks so much for submitting uh if you have more questions like that head to mike click on that podcast link and we'll keep doing it either at home or at champion if it's snowing or raining what's the post office thing by uh rain, rain sleet snow fire and ice something like that is that fire and ice i think that's game of thrones you just threw in game of thrones somehow. <laughs> by land by sea or by air no mailman that's FedEx, isn't it <laughs> no mailman is delivering you mail if your house is on fire mike <laughs> they, they can come back know. tomorrow when the flames are out uh awesome but hey thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode let's social distance elbow bump Boom. Wipe it off now. Boom. Yeah. And then Purell it and go wash your hands. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.